in a world beforehand, uh, in the Adam world, uh, God tested all of the souls, you know, and uh, he sets this great fire. And all of the souls of the prophets and the messengers and the people are commanded to go into the fire. And uh, the ones that respond, there was, there was three groups of people, a group of people that jumped in the fire, a group of people that didn't jump in the fire, and a group of people that were hesitant, and then they jumped in the fire. Okay. So the narration states that the, the, the first ones that jumped without fear or hesitation into the fire were the prophets and the messengers and the righteous ones, right? Okay. And the ones that hesitated or the rest of the believers and the people that didn't go in are the ones that ended up being non-believers uh, in, this, in this world. All right, so now let's rewind all the way back and we'll talk later about why it is that that Muslims believe that Muhammad and his family are deserving of this inherent infallibility. But let's go back and prove everything that we've talked about so far and highlight and look at uh, through the Torah, the Bible and the Quran at the different types of mistakes that the prophets and messengers were listed as, as having committed. Okay, sure. Do you want to start off? Let's uh, start with Genesis. Okay. I mean, uh, we spoke about it in the previous episode that basically uh, our whole story as humanity began with a mistake. Uh, and that mistake was committed by Adam. Adam transgressed the covenant with God. He ate from the tree. He only had one thing that he was supposed to not do. And that was eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he, he did it. And for that reason, he was expelled from the Garden of Eden. And, uh, and our, he was not, he was not deleted as a prophet. Like no, he was, not, he was recorded, of course. He, yes. Yeah. So why was, why didn't he lose his job as a prophet? Let's now, this is where we need to zoom in. We've mentioned the mistake before, yeah. but now we need to zoom in and, and figure this out. What did Adam do? Adam didn't lose his rank as a prophet, even though there are prophets who disobeyed God. And they fell and they were, they lost their rank of prophethood. And one of the prime examples of that is a prophet whose name is Balaam ibn Bawra, right, in Arabic, or Balaam son of Beor in, in, in English. Mm -hmm. And the narrations of the Jews state very clearly that Balaam was to the non-Hebrews, he was to the Gentiles, a prophet that was at the same rank as Moses. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he was he was like the Ulil Azm before the non-Hebrews. Uh, I mean, he didn't come with his own jurisprudence. He was still teaching uh, the same jurisprudence as Noah, mm -hmm. um, but he was he was that high, uh, and he could see everything underneath the throne. And because of his mistake of having envy against Moses, he loses his rank and he becomes deleted and he's no longer a prophet or messenger and the knowledge is stripped from him, prophethood is stripped from him and uh, he goes to hellfire in the end. So here is something important and I'm highlighting it at the beginning as we're speaking about Genesis because of this, this idea of can a prophet lose his rank or not? And we find that clearly he can, and a prophet can go to hellfire. And that's what happened in the case of Balaam. So now when we talk about Adam, why was Adam not 
sent to hellfire? Why was he forgiven? Why was he reinstated as a prophet? And, and here we find the difference. Okay. So Adam, when he ate from the tree, he did a great injustice, but he only did it to himself. Okay, yes. He misguided his own self. Yeah. Okay, but he didn't misguide the creation of God. Yeah. None of the angels ate from the tree with Adam. Right. It was only Adam and his own self, which is his wife. Yeah. Him and his wife, they're the ones that transgress. And it's Adam in particular who eats from the tree, right? Okay, yeah. As to where Balaam, when he decided to go out and make a uh, call down the curse of God against Moses, he's engaging in a public feud with another prophet. That's okay. That and he's and his followers now are taking Moses as an enemy, right? Okay. And and That's so he's misguiding people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a huge uh, conflict for people. Uh, everyone who was following Balaam then would be completely misguided. Yeah, and and here then is is where we get to to know the thin line that God has between you know. So God is able then to forgive any of the mistakes that a prophet or messenger commits so long as it's not misguiding other people. If it's mistakes that apply to their own selves, it's only them harming their own rank. It's only them that are going down in degree. It's only them that are, um, that are basically showing that they have uh, not enough faith or certitude. God can forgive that because that's a sin between them and God. As to, where, as to where the mistakes or the sins that have to do with uh, publicly misguiding people, God does not let that go. And uh, that's when the person can no longer be fit to be a messenger or a prophet because they're not carrying out God's will. Okay. okay? That's, that's the red line, I guess. Okay. Do you agree, though? Yeah. Okay. I, I can see that that's the distinction between these two things, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, Adam... He commits that mistake. He breaks the covenant, but it's only him that's breaking it. And he repents, doesn't misguide anybody, is forgiven. Mm -hmm. But we see here a prophet that can make a mistake. And this mistake is extremely prominent in the Torah and in the Bible and also in, the, uh, in, in Islam. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I think in Judaism and Christianity, they don't really even consider Adam to be a prophet. It's more mm -hmm. uh, in Islam. So that's why Jews and Christians are more laid back about Adam committing this, uh, this sin because they uh, consider him to be just the father of humanity. Yeah. Uh, as to where Muslims, no, he's an infallible uh, prophet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found it interesting to learn, um, you know, obviously from my background, I never grew up learning that Adam was a prophet. But when I read what was said about him in the Quran, it's very clear that God actually appointed him as the first uh, representative on earth, as his successor on earth. And I do find that the, the way that he's presented in the, the Torah, in the Bible, it does reflect that, you know, as, as, as you said, he, God taught him the names of all things. God favored him. God was walking with him. God was communicating with him. So it is clear that he did play that role. But yeah, uh, it's something that's sort of missed in the history. Okay, so what about another prophet like Noah? Uh, did he commit any mistakes in, in the Torah, Bible, and Quran? Mm, 
I think I would have to ask you what qualifies as a mistake. I mean, he's lift, he's he's uh, he's talked about in a way that could be described as imperfect in the Bible. Um, it's said that he was intoxicated in a tent um, and that his son uh, came in and discovered his father's nakedness. Uh, if the story would be considered a mistake. So for sure, for, for Jews and for Christians, this is definitely... Uh, one of the the highlights of one of the mistakes that Noah did, and that is that he he loved alcohol and he became extremely drunk one day. And uh, you can tell the rest of the story. Uh, just that he was he was uh, intoxicated. He was passed out, um, unconscious in his tent. And it's said that his son uh, entered upon him and then he he left and he was telling his brothers that he discovered his father's nakedness. And uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. And uh, the other brothers were, of course, uh, trying to cover that. So in Judaism and Christianity, the drunkenness of Noah. Um, in Islam and the Quran, we don't find this story of the drunkenness of Noah. And you find also that the Muslims would... Most they take of them, issue with it, right? Yeah, they yeah. take issue with it. And they would actually, because they have this idea, this belief that there are, um, there are corruptions in the Torah and in the Bible. Yeah, this is one of them that they believe. Yeah, in. so they, they automatically dismiss this. And they say, mm-hmm. Muhammad said alcohol is haram. So it had to be haram for all prophets and messengers. Um, and none of the prophets and messengers would have against would have went against um, you know and uh, the the Sharia of Muhammad, and this had to be the way that it always was, and therefore this must be one of the co- the corruptions there. But regardless, because we'll talk about uh, this later, uh, this idea of alcohol, whether it's forbidden or not forbidden, uh, and uh, its role in the in the history of humanity in a future episode. But right now, let's talk about uh, whether or not. Islam and the Quran highlights a mistake of Noah or is Noah without mistake in the Quran? And we find that Noah does not escape from being highlighted as a person who commits a mistake. In fact, uh, there's the story that takes place where Noah, uh, the ark is about to take off, uh, his family uh, he wants them to be on the ark. Uh, his son refuses to get on the ark. His son takes refuge, um, you know, on this this tall mountain. And uh, Noah is is questioning God, and he asks him. He says, "God, you promised me that my family would be saved." So he's questioning his prophecy that he got. Okay. Yeah. He says, "What about my son? He's from my family." And then God chastises Noah and says, "Noah." He's not from your family. I'm warning you, lest you be from the ignorant ones. So basically, God's telling Noah, Noah, don't question my judgment. Don't question my prophecy. And don't doubt. If you continue uh, with this crying and and questioning and wondering about your son, uh, you're going to actually be from the ignorant people. And I don't have any prophets that are ignorant. So don't lose your rank. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, for sure, that is a clear mistake. And God is making it clear in the way that he speaks to him. So, yeah. So then we have Noah, who's a covenant prophet, one of the the greatest of prophets. And we find that both Jesus and Muhammad, they never committed the mistake of Adam. 
So Jesus and Muhammad, and we're going to use those two because for Christians and for Muslims, they, they have inherent infallibility. So we find that indeed, Jesus and Muhammad, they never commit the mistake of Adam, where they go against a direct commandment that God has given ever. This never happens with them. And it also never happens with them that they they are questioning a, a prophecy of God's, like a God telling them, you know, that someone is is you know they, they they don't go back and say hey why is this person not saved or something in such a direct manner like noah does right yeah that's okay. true so then let's move on to abraham what's some of the is is abraham mentioned for having any mistakes <sighs> abraham I'm I'm thinking. Um. So in 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 Judaism and Christianity, Abraham is highlighted for having committed a big mistake, and that's that's he lied. Okay, and he lies. Yes, he lies, or uh, you know, in order to save his is life it because of the Sarah. He, because the okay. incident was Sarah. Yes, okay. Um, and he says that, that that's my sister, not my wife. And, exactly. Okay. So basically, Abraham is traveling with his wife, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And Sarah is given this phenomenal beauty. Like she's so extremely gorgeous, the narration state, that she's given something like two-thirds or half of the beauty of all people on earth. Okay, you know, wow. she's like the, the female version of Joseph, right, in, okay. in her time. It's actually, she's actually pretty much the one of the reasons why Joseph ends up, because he's her grandson, he's a, like yeah, end up coming out so, so handsome is because of the beauty that, that Sarah has. Wow. And so Sarah um, is traveling with Abraham. And back in the day, there's no police. Um, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. Uh, it's dangerous. Uh, people who, there was a lot of, robbers there was a lot of uh, mercenaries that are just kind of um, waiting on the roads to attack people and rob people and take what it is that they want abraham's traveling with sarah he doesn't have uh, an army with him he doesn't have a nation uh, he just has some servants and he is stopped twice okay and uh, twice he's confronted about sarah once is in Egypt, mm -hmm. okay, and that's uh, by uh, some of the Egyptian men uh, who find Sarah and they find her extremely uh, attractive. And so they decide that they're going to go back and inform uh, the Pharaoh. Pharaoh gets word that there's this beautiful woman uh, that nobody has seen the, the likes of her beauty ever. And he summons Abraham. And he asks him, who is she? Abraham is worried that if he says, I'm her husband, that Pharaoh is going to kill him and just take her away. Okay. So then he says, actually, she's my sister. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Pharaoh decides to propose to her. Mm. And Abraham allows it to happen. Well. The Bible says, the Torah says, that she is taken into the household of Pharaoh. In the narration state, she's taken into the household of Pharaoh. 
And in return, Abraham is given all of these extreme riches, right? He becomes rich. He actually makes his fortune. And it's one of the things that a lot of feminists, um, Jewish feminists, they criticize Abraham for. Uh, because they say that Abraham actually made his fortune out of the fact that he sold his wife while, you know, as, as property to Pharaoh and accepted these these gifts in exchange. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, that that's extremely controversial for sure. And so the Pharaoh, he takes her into his household and, you know, it, it, the Bible doesn't really state what happens or how far uh, did things get between the Pharaoh and between Sarah? It doesn't have word or mention on whether or not the marriage was consummated or not, just that she was taken into his household. Okay. Then plagues start to strike uh, Pharaoh and his people. Uh, they all start getting extremely sick. And Pharaoh puts two and two together, and he realizes that it's because of this woman that came into his household. She's the reason behind all of the misfortunes. Everything was good before we met Sarah. Everything was good before I, I married her. And now that I'm married to her, um, you know, there's something not right. So he goes and he talks to her. And he manages to get a confession out of her that actually she is married. And so he puts two and two together and he realizes that, that God is striking him with these calamities because he married a married woman. Okay. And so Sarah, uh, Pharaoh takes Sarah and he begs Abraham to pray for their cure. Um, you know, and he tells Abraham, you know, he chastises him, basically tells him, why did you do this? Why would you, why would you marry your, your wife to me? You know, and then Abraham says, I was worried you guys were going to kill me. So uh, Pharaoh allows him to keep the, the riches which he gave as dowry for Sarah. Uh, and he also grants to Abraham uh, one of his daughters, and that is Hajar, mm. uh, as a handmaiden. And so he marries to kind of make up for the whole incident. He gives one of his own daughters to Abraham, and uh, Abraham takes her, and they move on. Okay. Wow, that's quite a story. And so this is the the mistake of Abraham in the Bible and in the Torah. And in the Quran, can we find the same story? We don't find this same story in the Quran uh, with such detail. But what we do find is we find that there are several verses which highlight, uh, regardless of interpretation, if we're just talking about the uh, apparent view of it, uh, we find that uh, Abraham, at one point, he's uh, questioning whether or not the sun is God, whether or not the moon is God, whether or not the star is God. So we find that Abraham uh, does have a mistake in the Quran, and that is that he's confused at one point in time over who is God, the identity of God, his perfection is uh, is limited. Right. Uh, he doesn't know uh, he's actually committing or, or possibly committing polytheism at one point uh, with trying to identify who God is. Okay, yeah. So he, it's clear that he's not born knowing infallible. everything. Yeah. He's not born infallible. Yes, and it's clear that he made a mistake. Yeah. Although Abraham's mistake, like Noah's and like Adam's, were all personal mistakes. Mm. They were not 
mistakes that misled their nation or changed the rules of God or that he was going out fighting a, a prophet or a messenger. Like what he did hurt himself. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, okay. All right. What about the next Ulilazim prophet? Uh, let's talk about Moses. Okay. Um, there are a couple of things that I can think of, but I think probably... The biggest one was when he didn't circumcise his son. He, because he was, on, you know, upon the covenant of Abraham, circumcision was obligatory. And he didn't circumcise his son. And it was clear that that was a mistake. Um, and something bad was happening, right? Something bad was happening to him. Well, and he was on his way. God gives him the commandment in the Bible to go and uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Mm -hmm. And then it states that um, God was waiting for Moses um, at this particular area and that God was going to kill Moses. Yeah. And the reason why he was going to kill Moses becomes evident because, um, you know, the wife of Moses, uh, she, Zipporah, uh, she yeah, goes she and she circumcises her son fast yeah. and she throws the foreskin at the feet of Moses uh, in order to make this anger of God uh, go away. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so clearly that was a mistake. Uh, that's like an extreme mistake because Moses is this great prophet and God is going to do amazing things through him. But because he, but he doesn't tell the people not to circumcise. So he's not misguiding the people. He no, himself just doesn't just him. circumcise yes, exactly. his own son. It's just his own son. So it's a personal, once again, it's a personal shortcoming and a personal failure to uphold the law, but in regards to himself. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, that, I mean, that's a clear and mistake. And even his failure was going to lead to his death had it not been corrected. Yeah, that's really heavy. Because look at how important Moses is in Judaism and Christianity and Islam. He's seen as one of the greatest prophets that ever existed. Uh, but this mistake, even though it was, as you said, a, a personal mistake, it was going to lead to him being wiped out. Like to him, maybe not necessarily not being recorded in history, but for him to have not done the things that he ended up doing. What is another one of the mistakes of Moses? Um, he questioned um, the righteous servant. Uh, we, we spoke previously about the story of the righteous servant. And but even before that, what do we have? We have that Moses, uh, basically when he's 40 years old, um, the story with the, with the killing of the Egyptian. Okay. Uh, so basically what happens is that uh, he goes forward. Uh, he's called out by some guy. Some guy's like, help me, help me, help me. Um, he goes to see what is the issue. He finds that he is being oppressed by this Egyptian. The, the, the man comes to him. Moses is like, why are you calling for my help? He says, you won't believe what this Egyptian guy did to me. And the narration state that basically what had happened is that the Quran says that Pharaoh and his soldiers were doing two things. So this was what was really bad about Pharaoh and his soldiers. They were slaughtering the sons of the Israelites. Yeah. And the second thing was that they were uh, basically uh, abusing their women. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So this man was complaining to Moses that a soldier of Pharaoh had come inside his house, beat him up, and proceeded to rape his wife in front of his own eyes as he was bound up. And so the man was seeking Moses to take vengeance upon 
upon this guy because clearly he was a believer and Moses is the messenger of God. Mm -hmm. And Moses, when he heard this, he was outraged and he went towards the Egyptian soldier and he killed him. Mm -hmm. But he killed the Egyptian soldier without it being a command from God. Mm, okay. Okay. So it was out of anger. It was out of a moment of rage. So even though the Egyptian deserved it, it wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan, and it wasn't God's command. And for that reason, you find verses in the Quran where Moses is repenting to God for having uh, committed this act. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Even though clearly the guy, you know, he deserved it. Clearly, he did something very bad. But still Moses had to repent because it was a mistake that he went. He didn't ask God first. He didn't go based on God's will. He went based on Moses' will. Exactly. And, and, and it's highlighted as being a mistake because the Quran continues and it says basically that the, you know, he was then reapproached by the same man who was asking for his help. And then Moses, you know, refuses to help him and basically states that this is all from uh, the devil. Um, and the reason why the guy, just an FYI, so that we give you the story in context, uh, what happened after his wife was raped um, by the Egyptian and the ancient Hebrew laws, uh, if a man came upon your wife, um, she you can't be with her anymore. Um, so so it's not like uh, where you can divorce the woman, she marries somebody else, and then you can remarry her. Uh, if once a man and a woman were married uh, in the old uh, Abrahamic mosaic traditions and laws, if the woman was divorced and she married somebody else, she could never go back to her first husband again. Okay. Okay. So once she was raped, uh, him and his wife had this great disagreement because the husband said, now I can never touch you again. And the wife was flipping out. She was extremely angry. She said, this was not my fault that I was raped. How, how could you dare dishonor me like this and refuse to touch me anymore? and make me out in front of my family and my kinsfolk as being a person who was, who was uh, not loyal. And they begin to argue with one another. She goes back to her, her family. She complains to them. Uh, she narrates to them what happens. She's blaming her husband. He couldn't even protect me from the soldier. And now he's blaming me on top of that. Her brothers get extremely angry, and they come down to the house of the husband, and they threaten to kill him. At mm -hmm. which point he runs and then he begins to seek Moses' help in defense uh, of him once again. And Moses this time refuses uh, to defend this guy against the family of, uh, of, the, uh, of the wife. So clearly he knows he made a mistake. Yeah. yeah. And it was also at this point that, that w so it was the family also of the wife that turn to Moses and they say to him, you know, what are you going to do? Kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Mm -hmm. uh, so they're the ones that knew that Moses killed the Egyptian because they heard the story from the husband and from the wife. 
And uh, it was for that reason that Moses also uh, was was filled with fear, and he was worried now that um, that this trap that was set for him by the shaitan was going to become a widespread rumor in all of Egypt, and that he was eventually going to be, uh, you know, arrested and killed uh, by Pharaoh for this act of murder, and and that's what causes him to leave Egypt at that time and to go seek refuge in Midian and uh, you know and then it's many years before he comes back so there's a clear example of a mistake uh, that he does and there's also many other mistakes that are mentioned um, you know that Moses had done um, in the narrations of the Ahl Bayt and in the Jewish traditions and also in the Torah uh, one of them is that Moses was he had an extreme temper so just like he killed this guy out of anger in the Quran uh, we find an example of his anger um, in the Torah where he's told by God to speak to the rock and instead he strikes it uh, out of anger and because of this act of aggression against the stone um, he's forbidden from entering into the promised land and you know yeah. this story don't yeah. you? yeah well yeah of course that's clearly a mistake that's a huge mistake uh, other mistakes huge other mistakes that Moses did was that he asked to see God in the open yeah he was he was wondering about the nature of God like so much he was questioning the nature of God yeah. he had too many questions about things that were beyond his uh, his level yeah. Um, and God took great offense to his uh, constant attempts of peeking behind the veil and, uh, you know, questioning like, okay, well, how and where and why, uh, you know, is God in this way? And, and until the point came that he asked to see God in the open, uh, Moses uh, takes a group of Israelites, they go up the mountain and they're struck uh, by lightning um, and they all die, yeah. and God resurrects them, and Moses, uh, he is repentful yeah. uh, in the Quran, in one of the verses, and, and he seeks ref, you know, forgiveness from, from God, and, and then declares himself to be the first of the believers. Moses' story is actually filled with many mistakes, actually. Yeah, yeah Moses' yeah. story is probably one of the the prophets that have the most mistakes mentioned uh, on him, uh, you know, in, in history. They they highlight Moses' mistakes the most. And, uh, yeah, and I think that's fascinating because Moses was this uh, very prominent and important prophet. And so they cared about the details of Moses the most, and that allowed them to, um, you know, preserve uh, a lot of the mistakes that Moses did. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they they would. Uh, there's probably many stories uh, of a similar nature from other prophets that weren't recorded because, yeah, you have Moses is is seen as in Judaism he's the greatest. You know, he's the greatest of the prophets. They don't take Jesus, so uh, his story is the most prominent in the obviously in the Torah. Like, yeah, he's the one who. Uh, who wrote the five books, you know, of the Torah, according to the belief. He's responsible for the five books of the Torah. So, yeah, Moses is at the heart of Judaism. And so we have then Jesus. He's the next Ulilazim prophet. Mm -hmm. um, God in Christianity, prophet in, in Islam. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's only one place... Okay, because it's it's really it's really important to kind of look at now at the Jesus story. Yeah. Jesus 
uh, he's born. In Islam, not in Christianity, but in Islam, he's actually talking in the cradle. Yeah. 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 The miracle of the speaking. The miracle of him speaking. Uh, he seems to be perfect and, and, and to declare himself from the cradle as being a messenger of God. Yeah. You know, so you'd think, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean that he is infallible from, from birth? Uh, there is no mistakes from the time that he's born that are recorded on him uh, in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam uh, until the age of 33 years old. So all that time period, we don't really have um, any narrations or any verses that are pointing these mistakes out. He's, he's talking from the cradle. He's going forward and he's performing miracles. He's turning water into wine. He's curing the leper. He's telling people what's stored in their houses. He is raising the dead even. Yeah. He's walking on water. He, he faces off against Iblis himself, like offering him all of these things. Exactly. And he's so strong and his determination is so strong. Yeah, so that's really important to mention because, because when his dawah starts, he he's tempted by Satan, yeah. right, in, in, in three occasions. You mm -hmm. want to tell us about those? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, Satan takes him to... Satan offers him that you, you're hungry, like he's fasting in the desert. He's, he's been fasting for, for 40 days. By this point, he's, he's obviously hungry. He says, uh, if your God is true, uh, turn this uh, rock into bread. Uh, turn this into bread and, you know, uh, and Jesus is, is not, uh, not doing any of what he says. He even takes him to the top of a mountain and, uh, and he says, uh, I offer you all of this. Uh, I offer you uh, the power. I offer you everything in this world. And, and again, Jesus isn't tempted. He isn't tempted by anything that he has to offer. Uh, Jesus is uh, not phased at all by his offers. Yeah. yeah, so Jesus is tempted by the devil and he stands strong. Mm -hmm. And that's really important um, uh, because it proves that Jesus is infallible. Mm -hmm. uh, Satan cannot affect him, mm -hmm. okay? He's stronger than the whispers of the devil. Yeah. So then where do we, where do we find the mistake that Jesus has committed? And the only place that we find in the Gospels that Jesus uh, seemingly makes this, this mistake is that he doesn't want, this is the only place where his will is going in an opposite direction to the will of God. Mm -hmm. Right, so an infallible, his will should always be aligned with the will of God. Yeah. Right, um, like the Quran says, and you do not will except that God wills. Mm -hmm. Right, we find this taking place right before the arrest of Jesus. Yeah, he's praying to God. Yeah. And he's begging God. Mm. And he's saying to God, let this cup be moved from me. Yeah. I don't want this thing that you are you have told me is going to happen to me. I don't want to be crucified. 
I don't. Please don't let it happen to me. Yeah. You know, but if it, but but if it, but if it is your will, even though God already said that it was His will, yeah, yeah. So He's questioning the will of yeah. God. Uh, then let it be so. I accept it, but please don't let it happen. Yeah. Now, for this is a very important point because because it becomes clear then that 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 Jesus can't be God. Yeah. This very incident proves that Jesus is a creature yeah. and that Jesus is not God because God does not have multiple personality disorder where he's <laughs> willing uh, different things, right? Yeah. So clearly yes. Jesus as a creature has a different will and a different idea of what he wants to happen than, he, than God does. He says that your will be done. Like He, he, he does make the stipulation of... But let your will be done, not my will. But please, if you will, uh, lift this cup yeah, from so me. That means, so that that two, means there's, there's two, two different wills, yeah. people and there's it's two true. different wills. Yeah, it's okay. true. So uh, it is at this moment where Jesus becoming a creature or being a creature becomes, becomes evident that is Jesus's mistake. And, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to say that even though uh, this is considered to be a mistake for somebody who's at the rank of Jesus because he was a, an Ulil Azm prophet and he was pretty extremely perfect. Mm -hmm. um, it is not a mistake uh, like the rest of the previous prophets and messengers made, right? So it's a much lesser severe mistake than, say, for example, the mistake of Adam. There's no comparison. Here, Adam is breaking the covenant with God and directly disobeying him. Jesus is just saying, uh, you know, please don't let this happen. Okay? Noah is questioning God. Jesus is just asking God. Right? Yeah. Abraham, uh, you know, is, is lying, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe he should have been more brave or more firm or more trusting that God would protect him and him and Sarah, which God did. Abraham failed uh, to do that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, you know, to a much lesser degree, is failing to have absolute trust in God's plan, yeah. right? So it's yeah. similar to what Abraham did, but much less because he's asking and he's not doing like Abraham did. Yeah. And his mistake is obviously uh, much, obviously much less severe than the mistakes that Moses was committing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so then, what about Muhammad sallallahu what mistake did he make? Yeah, so Muhammad, uh, he has inherent infallibility according to the Shia. Yeah. Uh, do we find that he has a mistake? Well, we have in the Quran a verse. Yeah. Which, and by the way, we have many verses uh, in the Quran, uh, just FYI, uh, that that are indicative and point to mistakes of the prophet hmm. but i'm going to dismiss most of them for the mere fact that there's a very big disagreement with between sunnis and between shia over who the verses were talking about so for example there's a verse in surah 80 uh, which says he frowned and turned away 
And this is basically God chastising somebody because uh, there was a blind man who came and he had questions about religion or he wanted to know something and, and he interrupts the speech of the prophet and, and as he's talking to other people. And uh, according to the Sunni narration, the prophet Muhammad is way more concerned with the rich established Qureshi people and with giving them dawah than he is this blind man who's poor and has nothing and so God chastises him uh, for that. Um, the Shia though they say impossible uh, this verse the people of the house the very family of the Prophet Muhammad have stated that this has nothing to do with the Prophet Muhammad it's because you guys are Nasibis and you guys are trying to take away the rights of the Ahlul and bring down the Prophet's rank that you're saying it's about the Prophet but actually it's about uh, the companion of the Prophet, Uthman ibn Affan. So you have verses like this that are pointing towards mistakes of the Prophets. If we're talking about Sunni Islam, then even for the Sunnis, the Prophet Muhammad committed many mistakes, right? That should never have been committed. And for the Sunnis, even some of these mistakes are really bad, like uh, very, very bad mistakes like that one. Uh, but uh, for the Shia, no. Uh, Muhammad sallallahu he didn't make any mistakes. There's only, there's only this this verse in the Quran, which is at the end. It's one of the last verses in the entire Quran, and it and it states, or one of the last verses to be revealed in the Quran, and it's a verse directed towards the Prophet, and it says, "O oh, you Prophet, inform the people of." what has been revealed to you and if you don't reveal it then it would be as if you did nothing yeah. okay and this is a very strong worded chastisement to the prophet muhammad and the interpretation of this verse uh by the ahl bayt is basically that the Prophet Muhammad received the commandment from God at Ghadir to announce that Ali ibn Abi Talib was his successor and his vice chair. Okay? But he was feeling uncomfortable. He was, he was not wanting to. He had a struggle within his chest. He didn't want to uh, appoint Ali ibn Abi Talib, or rather he was fearful. It's not that he didn't want to appoint him, but he was fearful about the reaction of the people that they would say oh look he's just appointing his family member and and these types of things uh so he feared the tongues of the of the muslims uh you know and and he shouldn't have done that and so god knew what he was thinking and knew what he had in his heart and told the prophet muhammad that if you don't do as i told you to do then it would be as if you were not a prophet at all and actually you would be erased from all prophethood i mean as if you did nothing that's of course it. as if he did nothing and the reason is because he wouldn't have safeguarded islam so all of islam would have been wiped away so it would have been lost. All of his work that he would have done would have been for nothing. Because if, if he doesn't point Ali ibn Abi Talib, then, then the, the people who then usurp the religion yeah. after him, false imams would come and they would uh, change the, the word and nobody would have followed Imam Ali because the Prophet would have never, have, would have never said to follow uh, Imam Ali. Wow. wow. So, but, but the mistake of Muhammad here that yeah. we see... Small. It is, is extremely small because because this the mistakes that are that are happening with Adam and them are ones that they're doing. It's yeah. it's choices, actions that they're committing. 
Jesus, his mistake is just a word that is spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, it's not an action that's done or it's not a word that's spoken, but rather it's something which is in within his own chest. Wow. So that would not even be considered to be a mistake with normal people, but for somebody at the rank of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, even this in his chest shouldn't have existed. This mere passing by of a thought shouldn't have been there. This struggle shouldn't have been there. And uh, that's why Muhammad continues to be inherently infallible because he never does or says anything that leads people into misguidance and he does not make any mistake that is spoken or actions that are done that are mistakes uh, uh, that oppress his own self. And it's just something that's going on within himself. It was a, uh, you know, a forewarning. God was warning him with this verse so that he doesn't uh, he doesn't actually speak something or or question something. That's amazing. <laughs>